0: Let's turn in our Bibles today to our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to talk to you about being naturally supernatural. Naturally supernatural. In other words, authentic spirituality. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, And I, when I came to you, brothers... Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Say that. I have have the mind of Christ. Christ. The second greatest revelation of the New Testament Next to the new birth is that you and I have the mind of Christ. We are not wandering around in the earth, wondering what God's will is. We're not to be unclear or unsure. We're not to be misguided nor deceived. Once Jesus made me a new creation, he downloaded his mind into me. And now I... Walk through life continually, daily, just drawing on that mind of Jesus Christ. He lives in me. Naturally, supernatural. The Holy Spirit shared a concern with me that some of you did not register for the Kingdom Ministry training class coming up starting this Wednesday. Because you were afraid or fearful of being manipulated into doing something that you didn't really want to do. And I'm not talking about signing up, but you anticipate that such a course dealing with the supernatural and healing and all of these kind of things could get a little spooky. Now that's a very real fear that people have. Even the subject subject of speaking in tongues. As soon as you raise that question, Christendom sort of goes on tilt, and there are a lot of different opinions out there, and it's, it's stressful. It's, it's a stressful subject in a lot of circles to teach. May I submit to you that nothing is more supernatural than being born again. It seems we're always looking for something greater, bigger, more fantastic, more spectacular than what has already happened to us. There is nothing more supernatural than what happened to you when Jesus came into your heart and made you a new creation. That was as supernatural as it gets, folks. Translating us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Do you realize that took the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's Son, to accomplish? What could be more supernatural than what he put on the inside of me when I accepted him as Savior? Let me give you some definitions of the word supernatural. You know how I love Webster's Dictionary, so let's go there first. Webster says this, Number one, it's an order of existence beyond the visible, observable universe, especially relating to God, a spirit, or a devil. That's pretty good, isn't it? Number two, Webster says that it's departing from what is usual or normal. Now, there's a lot of us fit in there, but, <laughs> but you are not supernatural in that In that context, departing from what is usual or normal, especially so as to appear to transcend the natures of law or the law, excuse me, the laws of nature. So I've come up with this definition. You ready? It's any manifestation that supersedes the known laws of science and occurs without the necessary aid of human Assistance. Read it again. It's any manifestation that supersedes the known laws of science and occurs without the necessary aid of human assistance. There might be human involvement in the miracle, in the demonstration of the supernatural, but it wasn't necessary to bring it about. You get that? And, and, and it supersedes our known laws of science. I submit to you that someday we're going to find out that walking on water was probably a law that Jesus worked rather than being a supernatural manifestation as we think of it. It may not have been a miracle. It may just have been God walking in some sort of law that we don't know anything about. But as far as our laws, as we understand the laws of nature and science, that which is supernatural exceeds those known laws. You know, it's, it's kind of been cute over the last several years as God has grown our church and brought different <coughs> new people into our midst to fellowship. Some of the things that we hear. And uh, last, last week after service... Uh, one individual said to me, I'm so excited about this kingdom ministry training. We need the Holy Spirit here in our church. (laughs) You know? Now, if I was of a mind to get offended by such a thing, I guess I'd be offended. But it's just kind of cute how people think. You know, it's kind of like, oh, Jeff and Nina, boy, we're going to do them a favor. We're going to bring them the Holy Ghost. (laughs) We're going to introduce them to miracles. Praise God, and this church is going to grow. It's kind of been fun as we've been around different people. It's been happening for years. So I sat down with Nina, and I said, sweetheart, I don't know if I use the word sweetheart, what I say? <laughs> <laughs> Something just as loving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure Whatever you say. I said, I want you to think back all the way to when we were first Christians, And at Faith Bible Chapel or Faith Christian Fellowship, where we grew up and just started in ministry. And just make a a list of anything you can remember that God did supernaturally in our lives or allowed us to be a part of. She sent me a long list. Now, I had a list as well. And uh, we could spend the rest of the morning just on those things. But let me give you 12 that I took from her list and several things that God did in and through me as well, just to alert you and make you aware of the supernatural that is available to us and, and that we've been walking in for a couple of decades now. You know, as I start this list, I'm mindful of something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than y'all. Why'd you have to say that, Paul? Well, Paul wasn't full of pride. He was just trying to make a point. Look, folks, he had been around the block. I speak in tongues more than y'all. I've fallen on the floor more than all of you. And I'm saying about me now, I speak in tongues every day. I've fallen on the floor more times than you can count under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs. I, well, let me look at the. <laughs> I remember when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was standing in a crusade meeting downtown in the Auditorium Arena under the ministry of Cirillo. I was 14 years of old. I, uh, age. I had to be dropped off at the arena. I wasn't old enough to drive. And I went in there, and I was so young. I was a young Baptist boy. Southern Baptist is how I grew up. But I was hungry for the things of the Spirit. But I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit and knew nothing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just knew I was saved and hungry for God. So I walked in this meeting, and there, large meeting, three huge sections, and there was a front and then a middle and a back. And I was in the middle section over on the right and sat down, and people were streaming in and there was an organ playing and then the choir walked out and more people were coming in and I was just looking around, fascinated by what was in the air. I didn't know it was the anointing. I couldn't call it that. I had no identity to call it that, no training or understanding of an anointing. But it was fascinating what was already just in the air. And then I'd look down and someone in the choir would lift their hand like this and wave it back and forth. Then I'd look over and somebody out in a seat would raise their hand and wave it back and forth. And then John, I'd I'd look down in the choir and somebody else over in another part of the choir would lift their hand and they'd wave it back and forth. Then all of a sudden somebody not far from me would lift their hand and raise it and wave it back. I thought they were waving to one another. (laughs) I didn't know any better. I didn't know they were worshiping the Lord and what the Bible says is lifting our hands in worship. in worship. I had no clue. So that's how green I was. And then, towards the end of the service, the Holy Spirit began to move. And more Cirillo, as was his custom, as he began to get to the end of the service, I mean, he wouldn't be able to finish his message. And he said, There goes, there goes, there goes. And as God is my witness, I'm a young 14, 15-year-old teenager standing in this service. Green knew nothing of the Holy Spirit other than that he existed. And there was a wave, a tidal wave of power that began to move from the front dais where Morris was standing, row by row. And as it did... People, we were all standing and worshiping. I had my hands up and I was worshiping, worshiping, didn't know what I was doing. I'm looking around, watching the activity. People are falling out. I mean, no one is there pushing them. No one's touching them and praying for them. Whole rows of people are going down under this wave of power that just keeps moving towards me. Individuals in wheelchairs in the aisles, I mean deformed legs and feet, are getting up and walking out of wheelchairs. And that thing, as it got closer and closer to me, I could feel it, and it hit me, knocked me off my feet, into my chair, and my lips began to stammer. Now that was my introduction to the Holy Spirit. You cannot have a more supernatural introduction to the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I had at 14. Nina, when she was very young in the Lord, had an instant healing of a very bad sinus infection when elders laid hands on her at her church and she fell under the power of the Spirit for the first time, fell to the floor. I once in a church service as another man's associate pastor called everybody with back problems to come forward. Now get this. I'm I'm about 24 years old. But I am passionate and I'm excited and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And God says there's a bunch of people with back problems. So I said, all right, everybody with back problems, come up here. So there's this big line of people that lines up. I said, now lay down on the floor. They all laid down. I said, on your stomach. They all laid down obediently. I said, now get close together like sardines. They all move close together. Whole row of them laying on their belly like sardines. I said, now I'm going to run across your backs and when I get to the other side, God's going to heal all of you. I did and they were. I'm a 20-something. Young, Passionate. Experiencing the power of God. Nina and I used to operate in tongues and interpretation. We'd have services where the Spirit of God would come on her and she'd give this tongue. I mean, she'd call somebody that we didn't even know, right out of the congregation. Have them come forward and just give out this message to them in tongues, making hand motions and demonstrations and walking around them and being her demonstrative self. And she was even more demonstrative back then. And I'd just be walking back and forth like this, sometimes not even watching her, not even seeing what she did. She'd finish her tongue And I'd come over and give the interpretation to what she said, including all the motions, all the hand motions, exactly like she gave... You remember that, Doug, Diane? We used to have all kinds of that going on. We've done it here. The Holy Spirit has done it here. I remember standing at Christian Fellowship of Denver in a service where we were all worshiping. The worship was high like it was this morning. And by the way, may I just say... Isn't it amazing? We can have a couple of our our, our worship team uh, band members out for the day and still have a worship service like we had today. Amen. How's that possible? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If it's Pastor Don on his guitar alone, or or he's got the whole compliment there in the it doesn't matter. That's right. It's us bringing our heart before the Lord and worshiping him. And not, no, there is no greater gift to this man than to come in here ready to worship with your whole heart so that his part's just easy and leading us into the presence of God. And so, so we experienced this morning. But I remember standing in a worship service similar to this in a room not too different from this, about the same size. And uh, we had a good crowd that uh, day, that morning. And all of a sudden, I'm standing there worshiping the Lord, minding my own business. And a gentleman behind me in the chairs, probably at least six inches taller than I am, maybe seven or eight inches taller than I am, hits the floor, shaking like this. I I heard the ruckus. I heard the chairs going. And I turn around to catch this, not catch him, but to watch this gentleman finishing his fall chairs going out, people moving out of the way, and this large man hits the floor, and he starts foaming at the mouth, shaking uncontrollably, unconscious. (laughs) What do you do? (laughs) Well, I'm a young, passionate 20-something filled with the Holy Ghost. Show me a devil so I moved some chairs out of the way jumped over there put my hand on his chest and said in the name of Jesus come out of him and leave him and he stopped shaking and he stopped foaming and we cleaned him up and we went on with our worship service (laughs) Nina remembered a time when uh, A couple in our church, Jerry and Peggy, their granddaughter, six months old, was brought to the service. She had a soft spot up here in the crown of her head. And the skull, was uh, there was a cavity, it was open. And, And so the brain was... I, 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 not exposed per se, but there was no bone of skull that had closed across the head. It was a soft spot to which, of course, she could, she could easily damage her brain. They had said, they had said that if, if this cavity did not close, if her skull did not grow that bone across there, the fear was that uh, she would be either deformed or not be able to live. Because this, of that cavity there. And she was only six months old at the time. And so, I mean, whether she had a month left or six months left or a year left, this was a very serious condition. God gave Nina a supernatural sensation that morning of a very heavy head throughout the service. She couldn't, she couldn't keep her head up and, and she kept having to forcibly lift her head. And then the Lord revealed to her that yeah, we, didn't know about this child. we didn't know about the child, by the way. I'm describing that there was somebody there in that condition, And at the same time, Nina's having this prophetic manifestation that the Lord revealed to her that we needed to pray for somebody in the service. And so uh, they were called out, the family came forward, we prayed for this little six-month-old, and she was healed. And the skull grew. She's a normal, healthy, young woman today. Amen. The Lord grew that skull back. I, I remember a meeting in my home. Our Wednesday night services years ago were in my home. And uh, we were worshiping the Lord. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. He, he showed me uh, in a vision that somebody had a hole in the bottom of their foot through their foot, a hole through there, and that God was going to heal them. And I called him out and I said, who is that? And one of our leaders who was a carpet layer had just stepped on a nail that uh, previous day and driven it through his foot. And they had removed it, but it had left a hole. And God closed it and healed it and healed his leg and his foot. Nina had a a word for a woman up at Resurrection Fellowship during a women's meeting where she was speaking. And at the time, the woman thought Nina was crazy. As it turns out, the word opened the door for this woman to realize that she was a homosexual and to be delivered and so that she could be delivered from this. And she she got delivered and began a ministry to homosexuals. I remember another meeting over at, you might remember this, Coopers, where we were over at uh, Cathedral of Praise and we had a guest speaker in named Danny Griffin. And God started filling teeth with gold wow. that needed fillings. God replaced fillings with gold. There was silver there before and then it became gold and we took pictures of it even. It was, it was just some of the most amazing stuff. Nina went out of town to Ray, Colorado, and while traveling there, received the names of people who would be there and saw things that some of the people would be wearing. And, and all of those people were actually there in this small group of about 20 women when she got there and arrived. One of the women in particular, who, uh, whose name Nina had, the Lord had given her, uh, there was a strong time of prayer and deliverance for that woman. And as it turns out, she was planning to commit suicide and got set free. Folks, what are we talking about here? Do you understand that what we're talking about is a manifestation that supersedes the known laws of science and occurs without the necessary aid of human intervention? Recently, just several weeks ago, I was sitting here on my my little chair and the Lord spoke to me and, and said, there's somebody here that just this week you had a globe you know, earth, a globe out or a map of some sort and you were looking up directions because you've been considering new direction for your life and, and you've, been in, you've been in flux. And the Lord says you are to park yourself. It is not time to go anywhere. And that couple came up to me after service and said, we just had a map out this week looking at air, new areas. <laughs> now how's that happen folks that's supernatural that's a, a word of wisdom a word of knowledge that the Holy Spirit gives and not just to me and to Nina but to all of us all of us the the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives these gifts severally as he wills to each one for the blessing and the encouragement of the body I mean, time just doesn't permit. We had one service with Brother Bell where there was an open heaven kind of anointing. And he would invite people up and say, okay, come, come. there's an there's a, there's a open heaven anointing right here in about a, a six-foot circle. Come just try to walk through this. They'd get up there and start w- trying to walk through that circle and fall to the floor. Somebody else would come up and try to pass through that circle and bam, God would hit him, And they'd go to the floor. <laughs> Kim Clement... We were in one of his services where he was calling out doctors' names and the streets that people lived on as he was giving words of knowledge and so forth. Someone saw Jesus standing next to me while I was praying with somebody. And that person did, of course, get healed. But we've been in services with uh, the likes of Hagen and Harrison where holy laughter would break out and we never got to the sermon. I mean, people were just rolling and laughing and filled with the Holy Spirit and just, but it was a move of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't generated by man. It wasn't coerced. It wasn't, okay, we're all going to laugh. I mean, the Holy Spirit just dropped, the sermon stopped, and we started laughing uncontrollably. See, again, I submit to you, as Paul said, I I speak in tongues more than you all. I've fallen down under the power of the Holy Spirit more than all of you. But what does it matter if I don't have love and the emphasis when we meet together is to do that which edifies? Why, why, why the supernatural? Number one, according to John chapter 9 and verse 3, that the works of God might be displayed. That's the first reason for the supernatural. And secondly, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, our text, that your faith might not rest in man's wisdom, but in the power of God. I'll tell you, you get around the supernatural and your faith is built up. Faith that God is alive. Faith that God will do in your life for you what He's done for others. God has a reason for the supernatural. But now there's another reason for the supernatural that Scripture gives us. And according to this Scripture, it's actually the goal, the destination for our manifestations of the supernatural. Look with me. 1 Peter chapter 3. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's go there together. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul. One early manuscript doesn't contain the word your faith. So it reads this way. Obtaining as the outcome of faith the salvation of your souls. Dear ones, that's not talking about accepting Jesus as Savior and being saved. That's talking about how that when we accept Christ and begin to walk in the supernatural, our whole being, spirit, soul, and body is saved. We, we live on this earth a lifetime of becoming more like Christ. I'm gradually becoming, every day, in the outward manifestation, more like Christ. I'm thinking more like Christ. I'm acting more like Christ. I'm loving more like He loves. And I'm doing more of what He did when He walked the earth. That's the salvation of your soul. It's not, it's not talking about... An experience one time of accepting Christ, it's talking about a lifetime of becoming surrendered and sozoed, saved, healed, delivered, and walking like God walks on the earth. That's the outcome of my faith. That's the goal of my faith, that I would be more like Christ every day. Can you say amen? amen. amen. Now, it's vital if we're going to be naturally supernatural that we distinguish between culture and Bible context. I want to repeat that. It's vital we distinguish between what's simply our church practice and culture and what's actually Bible context. What am I talking about? Well, Barb, some pictures, please. Thank you, Deborah. I, I, I used to attend a church where the Jewish dance was very popular. So we would have times like this where circles of people would break out and we'd be holding hands or our arms would be around one another's waist. Hava, Nagila, Hava, Nagila, Hava, Nagila. dun, 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 dun. And I mean, that was the culture of this church. But believe me, it was sacred. It was like if you didn't participate in that, you really weren't mature. You weren't really led of the Spirit. You weren't really with it. Here's another one. It's culture. The robed choir. I loved robed choirs. There's something about a robed choir. But the church that, the first church that I grew up in, the Southern Baptist Church until I was 14, 15 years of age before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at that Morcerillo meeting, they wore robes as well because that, that was what you did. And then, then when I got spirit-filled and I started going to a spirit-filled church here in town, they didn't permit robes. All right. No, they they wanted everybody just to dress nicely, kind of a nice business casual dress, but no robes. I like robes. I like a choir that gets into it and it's going in the robes and they're just something about, it's kind of cool. See, But folks, that's not in the Bible. It's not Bible context, it's church culture. Here's another one. Preaching style. Now, Here's a man some of you will recognize from television who is a preacher's preacher, John Hagee. I mean, if there's anybody that can preach, and I mean he preaches, and he gets into it, and he shakes his fist, and, and he's so articulate. He's amazing. I could never preach like that. But I'm not called to be John Hagee. But people try to mimic that. People try to act like John Hagee and craft their sermons like John Hagee and then act in the pulpit like John Hagee. I'm not John Hagee. Don't pray for me to be like John Hagee. I'm never going to preach like John Hagee. Sometimes I don't even like John Hagee. Oh, is this being recorded? No, really. I love Brother Hagee. I think he's a tremendous preacher, but I'm not Brother Hagee. I'm not going to act like him. I'm not going to preach like him. Here's another one. How about ministry lines, healing lines? Oh, we've all seen it. Come on up, everybody, and line them up, you know, kind of like sardines. And we're going to go down the healing line. We're going to lay our hand on you. And you're going to, the expectation is, you're going to fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. I borrow from Paul once again. I thank my God. I have fallen under the power of the Holy Spirit more than you all. But that isn't the goal. It's not the outcome of my faith. It's a manifestation of the supernatural. Thank God for it. But folks, if you don't fall, please keep in mind, it's not Bible context. There's no scripture that says you have to fall when you're prayed for. That's church culture. We learn it. Now, folks, listen, again, keep in mind, I was 14 when I first fell, and no one was there to touch me at all. I know what it's like to fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, dead drop. We're not quite done yet, Deborah, thank you. You keep reaching for the lights, bless your heart. Every once in a while, our ushers will talk about this. Doug and I have had this conversation. Ed, we've had this conversation. What would happen if we didn't provide any catchers? I wonder if there'd be as much falling. <laughs> I mean, if you're standing up there, all right, and you're getting prayed for, and you look around, there ain't no catchers. I wonder if we'd be as likely to fall. Folks, I have I have been in meetings, and I've ministered and laid hands in meetings where we didn't need catchers. The power of God was so strong that when you fell, you were so drunk as a skunk that it didn't matter that you hit the floor. You just, in fact, you think about this. If the Holy Spirit is so overpowering that your, uh, your body and your muscles just go limp, you're not going to do the charismatic fall. Come here, Ed. Doug, help him. Uh, I'm a little heavier than I used to be but here's, here's how we did it okay we line up I'm getting prayed for you know come on let's practice here we go oh see I can fall with the best of them but we better hope there's somebody back there let me tell you a funny story this man right here this man remembers standing behind a very large woman. I mean three and four times the size of anybody here. She was very large. And she had on one of these silky dresses all in one. Just kind of slip it over your head. And, and he was catching. <laughs> and as she fell, bless her heart and bless his heart, he was doing his best. But those hands, because I mean, where you, you gotta be, you gotta be careful where you put your hands when you're catching. And so he's trying to be, you know, right. He doesn't want to reach around and grab her. And and that dress, that dress just went like this. She was uncovered. And that's where the ministry of covers comes in. Oh. Yes, charismatic churches, if we're going to have ministry lines, we've got to have covers. Why? Because when the ladies fall, we've got to cover anything that's going on. Folks, when the power of God hits a body and it really goes limp, it does not do the charismatic fallback. It just crumbles. It's not that far to the floor. It usually just crumples, and I've been there. Done that. One thing I will not permit, you do not push. The Holy Spirit does not need your assistance. Next time somebody's pushing you in a ministry line, open your eyes, look in the eyes, their eyes, and tell them, stop pushing me, or I'm going to push back. see what they do. No, really. If it's the Holy Spirit, you don't need to be pushed. All right, let's, let's go to another one. Anybody recognize this? Sure, we, we've had one or two of these here, and they're ever more popular. They're called fire tunnels. But folks, fire tunnels is not in the Bible as Bible context. It's culture. It's a way of ministering in the supernatural to people, providing a vehicle through which we can have the contact of the Holy Spirit that gets so overwhelming. And not just one is ministering, but you have a whole line of people ministering to you. And you're, you're soaking up that presence. You're, you're, you're gaining uh, the, the, tu- the anointing that comes through touch. You're getting it multiplied to you. You get to the end of that tunnel and you're saturated. It's wonderful. But it's not Bible text. It's culture. It's a way of doing it. It's wonderful. But we don't, we don't tie ourselves to it as if we don't do that, we're not mature. If you don't go through the tunnel, you're missing God. Well, maybe I just want to sit and enjoy the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go through the tunnel this service. I'm talking about being naturally supernatural. Here's one. How many of you have ever been in a black, black church? I mean a black gospel service. Let me show you something here. Go ahead. Volume. Lights, lights. thanks, you can bring up the light. I couldn't dance like that if I tried. <laughs> and I saw that video, a friend of mine, a minister friend of mine sent it to me. And I rejoiced. I said, thank you, God. What What a wonderful thing to see people engrossed in worshiping and loving and receiving. So whether it's robed choirs or a fire tunnel or the preaching of Hagee or ministry lines or a black gospel worship service, bless the Lord, receive, enjoy, get full. However, never characterize the anointing by outward culture, but rather by inward transformation. The goal of our manifestations, the goal of our faith, the goal of the anointing in our services is a heart passionately surrendered to Christ and a transformed life. Now you say, so are you telling us that that this stuff is wrong? I mean, I was taught that if you, you can't find it in the Bible, then you shouldn't be doing it. Oh, dear ones, listen, that's not at all what I'm saying. Each church is free to listen to the Holy Spirit as to how He would order the service and have us minister His power. The Bible says that there's a variety of gifts, there's a variety of operations, and there's a variety of ministering or administering those gifts. So I'm in for all of it. But here's the deal. It should be authentic. It shouldn't be learned. My problem with what we just witnessed on the screen in that brief video isn't the dancing, the joy, the culture of it. It's that there would be a separation from what is learned because of the culture we're growing in versus the real power of God. When I start crafting my service around an expectation that in every service we're going to dance... In every service, we're going to have that Holy Ghost worship. I'm missing God. What if God just wants to come, and I'll never forget the first time, I think it might have been the first time, that Pastor Don worshipped or led our worship as a guest in the absence of our then worship leader. I never got to the sermon. I mean the Holy Spirit so authentically dropped that we were in His presence. Preaching the message wasn't necessary. God said stop and we didn't. And we just worshiped and prayed and people were laying on the floor and people were getting healed and it was a wonderful morning. I hunger for the authentic in everything spiritual that we do. I hunger for what is naturally supernatural, never crafted, never learned, and therefore we do it because it was taught us to do it because then we can become religious. We try to recreate the experience at the expense of the power that transforms, and we must never go there. Now, we must always provide an atmosphere for the supernatural. Think of the day of Pentecost. Do you remember in the scripture in Acts chapter 2 what happened? The Holy Spirit came and he fell and the Bible says that all 120 experienced this great infilling and baptism of the Holy Spirit and they walked out of that upper room and all the observers that were there for the celebration the day of festivals were there watching these people coming out of this upper room and they were saying Oh, they're just drunk. Question. Those early disciples didn't learn that behavior. They weren't taught to act drunk in response to the Holy Spirit. But the observers then said they're drunk. Now listen, this is authentic Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can come in a meeting so powerfully, so strongly that your your response to it is, I mean weird. You are like a drunk person. Now, for you religious minds that are just uncomfortable with all of this Holy Spirit stuff and this speaking in tongues and the idea that there'd even be a 12-week class to train people how to operate in healing and laying on of hands and, and manifesting in the gifts of the Spirit. May I ask you, what was it that happened on the day of Pentecost? that caused them to be so overcome with power, so beyond themselves in their outward manifestation that the onlooker said they're drunk. There must have been something about how these people were behaving. I invite you to come to Kingdom Ministry Training. I invite you to sign up today to learn more about the supernatural and to expose our lives together as a community to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, there are going to be times where you are overcome and drunk with the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful! But I imagine that there will also be times where we're in contemplative silence and just enjoying His wonderful presence. I loved it, Pastor Don, as this morning you were ending one of the songs, I forget just which one, And all of a sudden it was just guitar and it was just your voice and we were just loving and worshiping. Sometimes it needs to be like the black gospel church. But sometimes it needs to be like our own worship pastor so often brings us to that high place of contemplative worship. Both are from the Holy Spirit. Neither should be crafted in such a way that we expect God to have to move that way every time. Are you hearing me? We want to be naturally supernatural. And and the result of that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, by the way, 3,000 souls came to Christ that day. 3,000 souls got saved as a result of that outpouring where 120 people got drunk in the Holy Spirit. And Peter preached his first sermon. 3,000 people. I submit to you that as long as Genesis is committed to an authentic spirituality of being naturally supernatural, people are going to get saved. As well as us having the enjoyment of flowing and working with God in the supernatural to accomplish what He wants to do in our midst. Even Jesus was very careful about associating miracle signs and demonstrations with maturity. How many of you remember the passage in Matthew chapter 7? Many of you will come, and in that day you'll say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not work signs and wonders and miracles in your name? And Jesus said, I will turn to you and say, I never knew you. The supernatural signs and wonders are not the mark of God's kingdom. They are not the mark of spiritual maturity. The fruit of character and a transformed life is... Really, Pastor Jeff, this is a hard message. Okay? What did Jesus say about false prophets? You shall know them by... There'll be many who come among you as sheep in wolves wolves in sheep's clothing. And they'll prophesy, he said. But you'll know them by their fruit. That's what Jesus said. So, the super accuracy in prophecy is not the context for judging a prophet. Listen to me. Accuracy in prophecy is not the context, it's not the bar, it's not the litmus test for judging whether or not somebody is from God. Jesus himself said that the test for that is is the character of the person's life. You know what I want to do when I meet a new prophet that wants to take over the service and prophesy all the time? I want to follow them home. I want to see how they treat their wives. I want to see how she gets along with her co-workers. I want to see how they handle their bills, how they manage their children in their home. That, dear ones, is authentic spirituality. And so to this we add these admonitions. Quench not the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14, verse 9. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly, desire earnestly, Covet earnestly to prophesy. And don't forbid to speak with tongues. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Do not quench the Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God that's within you through the laying on of my hands. Dear ones, do not miss kingdom ministry training. Whatever your reason for not having signed up yet, please pray about that. And if it was born out of a fear or uh, being reticent to what you might encounter that before you've had some bad experiences with, please know that this pastor has a pretty good idea of what it's like to live and walk in the supernatural. And that I would not open the door so widely to something that I was personally concerned about taking us down a path that was wrong. Mm -hmm. See, this is the part of pastoring that's almost the most difficult. It's not even in the preparation. It's in the bringing to you the balance of Scripture and saying, sheep, please, I have a job here. I have to lead you beside still waters. Dear ones, listen to me. Speaking in tongues is not the mark of maturity. And by the way, if you've not spoken in tongues, it doesn't mean you're a second class here at Genesis. If you've not spoken in tongues yet, it doesn't mean that you haven't been filled with the Spirit. But there's a lot I'd like to say about that you get to speak with tongues as soon as you've been filled with the Spirit. This wonderful, beautiful, heavenly language that's individual to each one of us is so powerful, so transformational, that if I could help you understand just a few scriptures, I could walk you into that experience of praying in your heavenly language very easily, and you wouldn't be reticent, you wouldn't be hesitant, and it would be naturally supernatural, you would enjoy it. But... If you choose to never speak in tongues, that doesn't make you a second-class citizen here. I never want a feeling in this congregation that if somebody doesn't choose to participate in in a manifestation or a supernatural aspect of our service that somehow you're less, somehow you don't really qualify, somehow you're on the outside of the in-group. That must never exist here at Genesis. And yet, God has so much more for us in this realm of the supernatural. So, I caution, feeling manipulated to respond in the presence of God is never from the Holy Spirit. Never. I've talked a lot to this church over the years about my experience with the Holy Spirit and how I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Morse Cirillo meeting. But it was within about a year or two of that meeting that I went out to a conference of Morse Cirillos in California. My dad paid my way, got my air, airfare, and again, I'm just a young 17-year-old boy. But I wanted to be in this Morse Cirillo meeting, and my dad wanted me to go. And I took a friend, and we went out there together. And there were great times of ministry, and again, we witnessed the supernatural. But on one evening, I was both unfortunate as well as privileged because this forever changed my view. Listen to me carefully, church. It may have been somewhat unfortunate, but I count it also a divine, a divine intervention and privilege to have seen what I saw that night. I saw people going out under the power of the Spirit Morcerillo had released his dais of people to come down and lay hands on people. And I will never forget that this one minister was working his way through the crowd and he was pushing people. Now one person was going back hesitantly and the catchers were there, but he wasn't going down. And this minister kept pushing him. And then, as God is my witness, this minister said, I said, go down! And pushed him the rest of the way. Dear ones, there is never in God's economy a reason for us to manipulate the power of the Holy Spirit. I determined in my heart on that day, seeing that, having been in many services prior to that, of Morris's, and others, where the authentic supernatural manifested and people didn't need to be pushed down or told to go down, I decided that day that in my ministry, in my church and anytime I had anything to do with it, we were never going to manipulate the power of God and that I was always going to give people a place and a grace to receive from the Lord contemplatively as well as in power so that they, they could come into the things of God. But that we were never going to have classes, and I don't mean classes to teach, I mean stratas, classes of people, the in bunch that have, you know, they, they go down and they speak in tongues and they've been laid on the floor and, and they operate in gifts of the Spirit and then we have the others who don't have any of that. Oh, please, dear ones, never go there. But may God help all of us, as Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues, but especially that you would prophesy. The New Testament teaches that all of us should not only speak in tongues, but that all of you can walk in the prophetic. I wish I had time to teach on all of that this morning, and I don't. I'll close with this idea. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I want to address a comment I overheard recently. Here I go. Pestering. Oh, I'm sorry. Pastoring again. I want to address a comment I overheard recently to this effect that we have to disengage our mind before. And that disengaging our mind is essential to walking in and operating in the supernatural or the prophetic. I want to qualify that. First of all, the person sharing that was a prophet. Secondly, when you are operating in the office of a prophet and giving words of wisdom and words of knowledge, You have got to disengage that mental piece that wants to always question what God is starting to send through you. If you let your mind interfere constantly with that word, it's not a whole sentence or paragraph. It's not a story. It's a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. Sometimes you will miss what God wants you to flow in and give to somebody to help them because you shut it down when you first start getting that first couple of words about it. It's a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, not a paragraph. So It can turn into a paragraph. Most often, when God gives me a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, He'll give me the first two or three uh, words or maybe a sentence. He might show me a picture, and I have to step out in faith from there. And I step out and I start giving it, and all the rest of it starts flowing. That's how it's most often come to me. Others, it's different for each individual. Some, Some people, Nina. Nina gets words, colors of clothes, names. She gets whole Pictures. She has to write things down even because it's so descriptive so that by the time she gets to the service, she describes this whole situation. Well, different administrations. All of that's fine. But here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians about the operation of the mind with the spirit. Watch this. Listen to me. So what will I do then? I will pray with my understanding and I will pray in my heavenly language, speaking in tongues. I'll sing with my understanding and I'll sing in tongues, in my heavenly language. He mixed them. He did both. We're not talking about Middle Eastern religion here. We're not talking about New Age disconnecting from your mind and from reality, so that the Holy Spirit can flow through you. We're talking about being a yielded vessel to the power, authentic power, of the Holy Spirit that can literally transform a life in a heartbeat. Again, I submit to you, nothing is so supernatural as being born again. I'll close with this. Turn to this passage. Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4. It's important that we be naturally supernatural. You ready for this? Manuel, do you have the ability to put that up in the Amplified, please? Would you throw that up? Galatians chapter 4. Verse 31. I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 31 from the Amplified New Testament. My friends, so brethren, We who are born again are not children of the natural, but of the supernatural. You are already supernatural. And God is not in heaven with a bunch of things that he still needs to give us that we don't have. The truth is, is that the grace of the new birth made a deposit in seed form in each one of us that gives you everything you could possibly need or want in life. Ours is to retrain our mind, the Bible calls it renewing, so that we think like He thinks. As we start thinking like He thinks that anointing of the Holy Spirit that's always present is able to use us in an ever greater way. We talk about it as being an increase of anointing or more anointing or more power. Actually, God is not giving anybody in this room more power, more anointing, greater anything. It's in us But to you and me, experientially, it is more. It's more power. It's more anointing. It's greater manifestations of His presence. Why? Because we start surrendering to the supernatural that's already in us. Dear ones, you are not of the natural anymore. And those of you that have been uh, afraid, maybe a little reticent, to sign up for the supernatural, whether it's kingdom ministry training or praying in a heavenly language or coming forward this morning. This was supernatural what happened here. God gave one of our elders a word, a a prophetic word that called out healing. And then another team member said, okay, well let's work on that. Let's have people come forward. And the instruction was just to come. We don't even need to lay hands on you necessarily. Just come forward and stand in this anointing. Did you sense that? When you got up here, did you? I sensed the change as people started reacting and obeying the word, responding to the prophetic word. I sensed the increase in the anointing. But see, that's how I relate to it. God was already here. The anointing didn't grow in terms of God showing up. I became more aware of it as I surrendered to his presence. Why? Because I'm a child of the supernatural. And so often... What to me is an increase is actually just me getting out of the way and letting God. You know, folks, why this is so important to you? Listen, I, I know I've said this a number of times this morning, but listen to me one more time. Look up here. You know why this is so important? If, if you don't hear what this message is trying to say, then the mistake we make is when we leave the anointing at the church or in our group or in our meeting, and we go out into real life where we're facing struggles and temptations and dealing with our employers and our children and so forth, isn't it amazing how God just kind of leaves in our view? We feel like He left us. We feel like that supernatural presence is no longer there. And God didn't go anywhere, dear one. The anointing didn't go anywhere. And the gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of it actually is still there operating for your children, for your employer, for you in that relationship, regarding your bank account. It's all still there. But what we've done is we've gotten religious with it. And we start thinking that the the supernatural is over there in that meeting. And so we wait to get to that meeting. Thank God for the meetings. I've been in a lot of them. But dear ones, I'm wanting to learn to walk in the supernatural naturally every day. I want to manifest his presence. I want to see people's lives totally changed every day by just as Pastor Don, I believe, in the announcement last week said. You just put a hand on him and say, you know, let, let, I'll pray for you. I'll just, I'll just pray for you right now. Brother, I just I feel like the Lord wants you to take some rest. And maybe when you get home tonight, go do something a little different than your normal routine. I don't know why, but I just feel like maybe the Lord's saying that to you. I remember a pastor saying this last week as an illustration, whether it was all those details or not. That's a, that's a word of knowledge. That can change somebody's life. And then they get hungry, and they start realizing God loves them. And then they start asking you, what, what church do you go to? And they'll start coming to church. That's being naturally supernatural. Let's stand to our feet.